isn't this fabulous? I'm joined <laughs> by fellow podcaster. She's already got the giggles. It's Ruth Corden. How are Yay! you? I'm really well, mate. How are you? I'm so good and so happy to, to be speaking to you because we met for the first time not a fortnight ago. And it was a, a magical meeting, was it not? Oh, it was so nice. I didn't know that you were still around. I'd have come and found you earlier in the night because obviously you were working with Caroline. I didn't know whether you'd gone. And then I was just going and I saw you and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I'd have hung out with you all night if I'd have known you were around. I was it was slumped. so nice to finally meet you. I was slumped on a sofa eating a club sandwich and drinking yeah. full fat Coke. It was that kind of evening. Yeah, you must have been knackered. You must have been so tired. It was that wonderful blend. Listeners, we're talking about, I was um, working with Caroline Hirons at her Hall of Fame pop-up. And it was that uh, blissful combination of wired and tired. Yes, so nice. It was, it Quite was a nice fabulous. place to be, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are worse places, but you're going yeah. to take us to some good places because you, my friend, are sharing your feel-good habits. And I have no I doubt am. they are going to be absolute corkers. So where are we starting? So my first feel good habit would be people like the people that I put around myself. Um, and there are people that you meet, aren't there? And I would say, Emma, this is pro you, I probably feel this about you where you just go, actually, you could become one of my people. And I know that in spaces in my life that have been difficult and I've needed to feel good, whether that's because, you know, I haven't had the day that I wanted at work and it's been a bit rubbish and I can pick up the phone, somebody that can make me feel good right the way through to God. I've For people that don't know, I've been trying to we've been trying to have a baby for nine years right the way through to I've looked at a pregnancy test and it's negative for the however many many time this year like those really stark stuff that's really really difficult can I swear on this podcast of course you can okay okay stuff that's really shit right the way through to I've had a bit of a crappy day so for me my number one feel-good habit is definitely people but the right people not just being in a room of people for the sake of it the right people and that's been something I've been really uh, kind of boundaries within my life, actually, carving out those people that are my people. And I um, have lots of people that I know, but I have a few close people that I'm like, you are, you make me feel good when I need you to. So the first one would be people for sure. They're, they're like, people make me feel really good. I love it. Talk to me about boundaries, because I think that's really important. And I'm saying that because I have definitely for a lot of my life been attracted to I, I will go up to someone and say, you think they're my people, but they actually are not. Yeah. So how do you, because I think you can, it's that thing, isn't it? Like, I really like pizza, but I know I shouldn't eat it all the time. But that's how I am with people. Yeah. Sometimes I like go for the yeah. that kind of thing. So I think for me, it's about, um, I, I suppose my sort of infertility journey has been the place that I've carved that out a lot. And you could put anything in there, whether that's that you've been, I don't know, struggling with maybe addiction or so something significant in your life where you start to realise the people that get you and are there for you. So I've I think when I take if P it's, it's sort of that classic Marilyn Monroe quote, isn't it? If you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. Mm. And so I think for me, deep rooted friendship is about uh meeting each other's needs caring deeply for each other whatever i bring to you in this space you're and i you know it annoys me when people say i'll never judge you that's 
bollocks. That is absolute bull. We all judge people all the time. We mm -hmm. make snap judgments on the colour of their hair, how much they weigh, the colour of their skin, what they do for a living. Like we, we, anybody that thinks we are empty vessels is lying. So I don't necessarily want friends that are going to be like, I'm never going to judge you. I want friends that are going to take what I give them, hold it with deep respect, uh, acknowledge the pain that is in it, acknowledge the places that they can't, you know, acknowledge that they can't fix me. I don't want people that are going to be like, it's okay, I'm going to make this better. Unless you can give me a baby, you actually can't make it better. So, mm. you know, good luck trying. Like, and I, So for me, it's about people who, boundaries for me are about saying, does this person meet my needs and I, I don't even think friendship and relationships for me about are about do they make me happy because I think happiness is something we ultimately have to find in ourselves and I think if I rely on anyone else to fulfill me and make me happy I've lost the plot a bit I think for me it's about can you hold my stuff can I really laugh with you can I really cry with you mm. can we have light and shade in this space and I do a podcast with my sister and that that if I look at Ange that is the person that gives me that stuff um, and I know that even if we weren't sisters, she would be one of my friends because there is that it's safety, isn't it? Security, safety, understanding, commitment, building bridges halfway, equal, not one of you just and that and I think true friendship is magical, actually. And I have stripped away people in my life where I've gone, actually, this isn't good for my heart. I'm not guarding my heart by being friends with you. I need to step away from this friendship and I need to yeah look, look for other friendships that are going to fulfill and sustain me so I'd say that's it for me really that's a lovely one and I also think you just said something there about when you had to step away from friendships I had a conversation with Julia Samuel on this podcast about yeah. um when friendships end and about how they can be as heartbreaking as divorce female friendships especially that tend to be quite emotionally deep-rooted mm. and when I started canvassing friends opinions many many of them said yeah I I have people who I've fallen out with and it broke my heart and if I bumped into them it would be horrendous mm. um but I know that the end of that friendship was a good thing but it does do, do, I mean not to pry too much but does do any of yours even though you stepped away with good reason did you ever feel a little bit of shame or embarrassed about the fact that yeah. it hadn't worked I think friendships can feel like a breakup when they don't work. I really do. I, I really feel like it does feel like a breakup. I've got one specific friend and there was never really any closure. Um, we never really had the conversation about how we'd hurt each other or not been able to kind of be what each other needed. And it just, communication just sort of stopped. And then, really sadly, her dad died and I kind of got back in touch with her and I sent her some flowers and she never even acknowledged that I'd done that. And I think if I was to bump into her, I'd burst into tears. You know, it felt very deep-rooted. I've known her for years and years since secondary mm. school. And I sort of thought she was a friend that I could go through anything with and we'd never get to that stage. And I know if I was to ever see her, it would be really, really painful for me. It would it would be deeply scarring. And that isn't because she didn't acknowledge, you know, her dad had died. I totally understand she wasn't going to. But it, it's the, I suppose it's the sort of unknown. It's the no closure. Endings to me are really important. Mm -hmm. that, you know, I I think that they are vital. So it was the sort of, oh, I haven't had an ending in this. I don't know what you're thinking. We've never thrashed this out. You know, I'd rather have had a massive fight with her. I'd rather mm -hmm. have had a huge argument with her and gone, oh, I can't do this anymore and slam the phone down or whatever. 
this like limbo yeah and I honestly don't know how I would feel if I saw her and I do feel heartbroken that she isn't in my life anymore I, I really genuinely do but some some things are for a season and those seasons can be really long mm. but some things are just for a season and I think the the more that we make peace with that the better we can cope with grief and loss when we go ah. Oh, maybe that person wasn't meant for me for the whole of my life. It was meant for this season. And I think that is, um, that, that comes with growing and learning and developing, I suppose. I had um, a friend say to me a little while ago, I had uh, some friendships end, and uh, she said, friendships are for a reason, a season or a lifetime. Mm. And if you can just kind of, if you can yeah. embrace that, then it makes, yeah, it does, as you say, make it less painful. Yeah. Um but then let's move on because we could do a whole episode sure. about friendships, which friendship, maybe we'll do yeah. another time. But um, people, people's a great one. I think you're absolutely right. And I think with lockdown, I think a lot of people really felt the absence of the energy of yeah. their good friends, which has meant, you know, obviously yeah. we've all really loved being around people again. So yeah. where are we going for feel good habit number two? So feel good habit number two is uh, like music, dancing. Like actually I was just on the way, I've been out doing some work this morning and on the way home I put on the musical six. That is probably up there with my favourite feel good habit. Like I just love all the music. I love all the different girls. So for people that don't know, it's about Henry VIII's six wives and they've created uh, like multi award winning touring show. It's on Broadway, it's in London, it's also touring. It is like... The best girl group you'll ever watch. They've all got amazing voices. They can all dance and they all take one of his wives and they tell the story of how it, it's just so. And the final song that they sing is so good. <laughs> it's so uplifting. And I know that I can put I can dance around stupidly in my house. I can put music on. And I think music is, you know, it's so emotive, isn't it? It can take you back to the happiest memories and also some of the darkest memories. You know, I don't know if anybody knows the song You Could Be Happy by Snow Patrol, but it's like the best, worst breakup song you'll ever listen to. If you've never listened to it, go and listen. <laughs> What's it called? To I'm going to write, I'm gonna write it down. It's called You Could Be Happy. And honestly, I can't listen. To, but there's something so beautiful in the way that Gary Lightbody has written that song and in, incorporated and encompassed actually what breakups feel like. There's also something that makes me feel quite good in that because I think what music does for me is it makes me go, God, I'm not on my own. Like Gary Lightbody's mm. obviously been through something really tough with a partner and it's ended horrendously and he's penned this song as a result of it. So actually there's something really comforting, even though that even in those songs that are more sad or emotive. So music, dancing, my God, that is definitely, definitely one for me. If I'm not having a great morning or I've woken up and got out of bed on the wrong side, if I put some music on and I just dance and sing and you know it it really can lift my mood do you get obsessed with songs because so the yes. other day I just got obsessed with hair by little mix oh great song what a song <laughs> so just in the morning when I when I go I have my shot of espresso listen to that once on the ear pods and then I'll work out or I'll do I'm pleased I'm it do. was a shot of espresso <laughs> I was waiting for like I wake up in the morning a shot of tequila or <laughs> I wasn't I was the one who had to stop my conversation because of the chanting of shot 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 the other night not the other way around <laughs> my friend amazing what a great comeback <laughs> um yeah so I I definitely think music and I get obsessed with songs like I 
people say to me, you're really weird, you know loads of lyrics to loads of different songs because I listen to them and listen to them. Because mm. if I don't know all the lyrics, especially if there's a rap in it, if I don't know that rap, like word by word, like, heart, like off by heart, I lose it with myself. <laughs> so I absolutely... Uh, I absolutely find, like, I get annoyed if I don't know the rap. That's made me absolutely cry with laughter because I was listening to Intergalactic by the Beastie Boys the other day and I was like, yeah. my rap really is, I need to revise this. And I was like, <laughs> reading the lyrics and I was um, rapping it properly. Um, <laughs> there's a weird insight into... But you know, that makes me feel good. If I can, If I can get a rap down and I can do it really well... And then I'm like in a space with people and I perform it. Oh, and yeah. they go, oh God, I'm like, yeah, I mean, that would probably be one of my feel good habits. Yes, those hours I spent listening to Stormzy on repeat, mm-hmm. it was worth it for this moment. For this moment when I've shown you that I, what at I my core, do. I'm a rapper. Yes, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. At my core, I am a rapper. Yeah, I like that one very much. The music, music's yeah. incredible. And it's definitely like if I've, I have do lots of different types of podcasts so the other day I was doing a podcast with a woman who went on a search for God and so it was really quite oh, wow. deep interesting yeah. uh conversation I was like I need something I need something so I was like what can I listen to it was yeah. probably Taylor Swift because the, the red album is due out tomorrow the revised oh, of Taylor's course version. yeah of course <gasps> exciting yeah. yeah so I'll be revising all too well later yeah <laughs> We all know whatever's going to be up to later on tonight. <laughs> Literally, and there's no secret. I think everyone who knows me is like, she's going to be re-listening re- re- to Red. Okay. Amazing. Um, habit number three. So this is really different to habit number one, but one of, and this is probably quite a weird one, but one of my feel-good habits would be solitude. Yes. Yes, my friend. So I think we have become so... Uh, like made to just throw ourselves into everything and I think with like you know like things like whatsapp with blue ticks it's like you know things like instagram when you've seen a message it's like this that is a condition to respond immediately Mm -hmm. well you've read it you've read it and you haven't replied like this whole thing about like group chats well she replied to the group chat before she replied to me personally it's like god our whole life now is conditioned to be like there, 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 there. Whenever anyone needs us, whenever anyone asks for us, you know, all our emails on our phones, like, and actually solitude for me isn't just about not being with people. It's about not being with anything. And Mm -hmm. it's about being with myself. And that is something that is vitally important to me, whether that's I stay in bed longer on a Saturday morning and I don't pick up my phone and I read a book and I think I've woken up at eight but I'm not getting up till 11 Mm -hmm. um whether that's I you know I'm actually really thinking I would love to go away on my own for a couple of days in the next you know probably before Christmas I'd love to find somewhere go by myself I'd take my phone because I'd like to be contactable but I'd be very clear with people you do not ring me or get in touch with me unless it's an emergency and I think carving solitude for ourselves is so against what the world tells us we need to do and is so against what the world tells us will make us happy I really believe that in this season for me which has been often really dark like the last nine years of, of in terms of my own mental health and grieving the baby I don't have and I think 
all of that, like being diagnosed with conditions that took ages, all of that stuff actually sometimes is in the stillness that I have found the most comfort and I've felt the most good about myself. And it's only when we stop, I think, it's only when we really stop that the grief that we carry, we can really manage it and deal with it. And it's only when we stop. And lament is such a such an old word, isn't it? It's almost quite biblical in a way, but I think lamenting is so important. I think we're so often really quick to get over the grief, count our blessings, move on to the sunshine. It's okay. Lots of people have got it much worse than me. But actually, for me, there has been something really positive and feel good about owning this grief and this pain and saying, I've got to work through it if I'm going to manage it and carry it properly. So solitude would be a really big feel-good habit for me. Goes completely against the world and what the world would tell us we need, but is a big one for me. No, I agree. And I was funnily chatting to the woman I was just talking about, the one who went on the search for God, we were talking about meditation and about where does one's uh, self start like if you want to believe in something greater like first of all you've got to kind of understand who you are and I guess we grew up in that generation a bit older than you significantly older than you but never mind um but if I don't reckon you are how old are you 43 I'll be 40 in May oh I just assumed you were like early 30s <laughs> no I will lots of people do but I will be 40 in May the so best is are. yet to come um okay the best well is yet to come. okay so then we did grow up in a similar time where it's kind of yeah. we grew up with computers and we yeah. were that that real generation you kind of had all yeah. of those things and I remember when I had a depressive episode realizing that it was because I one of the big things is I didn't know how to be on my own and I was on my own for the first mm. time whenever I had been on my own I had immediately gone to be around people whether they were the right people or not mm. <laughs> so yeah I think you're absolutely right I think it's about maybe it's would you say active solitude like actually being yeah. alone but like thinking about what you want I think I think it takes a long time to for us to feel comfortable to say to ourselves what do I want what makes me happy because I think we're so tuned to please other people absolutely and I think as well it's it's um silence is so powerful both in conversation but also with yourself like you know use it's such a skill to use silence well but you know I I know that when I have found the darkest times of my life uh retreating healthily has been really good for me and I say healthily because I think being withdrawn and solitude are two very different things and I think somebody can we would be withdrawn and we should worry about that and when they're withdrawing from themselves and the emotional connection they have with others actively seeking solitude and thinking about what do I need what are my needs how do I meet them within myself um is completely different and I think people get frightened when when somebody's perhaps saying I just want to be on my own or I need to take some time out I need some space everybody goes what's wrong what's wrong and I think we need to separate being withdrawn away from choosing to take peace and quiet and space Mm. um to manage and feel our emotions I think we're really frightened of feeling the bad stuff I do really think that as humans I think we're really frightened of feeling the difficult painful stuff and I I don't think we should shy away from that I think the people that I love the most in my life have done that work on themselves Mm. and have said what causes me great joy and what causes me great pain and understanding that those two things can 
collide and exist in the same space is also really really important so and it's only through solitude and quietness and stillness that I've done that for myself so that is definitely a feel-good habit for me solitude it's really powerful and I was chatting to my brother the other day he'd read this uh, article about how our how our dopamine is affecting us so because of mm. social media especially and phones and all of these things yeah. we get these dopamine hits but it now takes a lot more dopamine for us to get that kind of basic dopamine response whereas at the other end of it it takes much less of a lack of it for us to go into a depressive state I would hate yeah. to be under 20 right now with all oh, of it I God. mean I really um yeah when I read about that it really upsets me but that idea that we're being conditioned kind of the the natural drug that we have is being exploited in some way by what we use on a daily basis is really worrying it's awful isn't it it, it is and I think yeah, I just it's so hard, isn't it, to to manage all of that stuff. I find it hard enough at nearly 40. I can't imagine having this thing in the palm of my hand that gives me all the connection and power to the whole world and not really knowing how to manage it. You know, it's like it's 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 sort of like I liken social media to sugar. Do you remember when it came out that, that fat wasn't the enemy, sugar was? And yeah. it was like, and we're all like, we can't, can't stop consuming it because it tastes so good. And it gives, and actually social media is exactly the same. I think what we have to do with young people in that we know, or, you know, I think about this with my nieces and nephews, it's about being nutritionalists in their lives and saying, how, how do you manage this? You know, some people say I'm cutting out sugar forever, but lots of other people say I'm going to manage it better than I ever have. And I think that's the same with social media. Like there's so much positive that can come from it. Mm -hmm. but we've got to help young people to navigate and be sensible and have good nutrition around the way that they use their social media. Because I don't think saying you're not having it and I'm taking it away from you is, is the answer really. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I definitely think with the with the rise of you can just talk to anyone whenever you want, can't you? Somebody can have access to you whenever they want, however they want. They can come into your space. They can say whatever they want about you. And I think carving out times where you actively seek to be away from that is so healthy and mm -hmm. so important. I agree with you. Good point. Well made, my friend. Thanks. <laughs> Feel good habit number four. Uh, therapy. Yeah, that has been my absolute savior. Talking therapies, um, yeah. I think the way that therapy has been life giving for me is I can't really put it into words. In all honesty, like the way that it has changed my dynamic, the way that I think, the space that I give myself. Um, we're sort again. We're sort of conditioned to not really talk about ourselves, aren't we? We got. We got. You know that that whole notion of oh, she loves herself has become such. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B two B, and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B two B either. That's why if you're a B two B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply.
such a negative connotation like it's like arrogance and it's like actually do you know what it's all right if you do love yourself that's that's actually quite a healthy thing to do and it's only through having space where I just talk about me and I say this is what's going on and this is how it's affecting me that I've been able to grow in accepting and um you know thinking positively about about who I am and and what I bring to the world and it's therapy that's done that giving me an hour a week to go we don't have to talk about anybody else if you don't want to other than yourself or people that have impacted your sense of self or people that have made you feel good or not so good that's all that this space is about has absolutely changed my life Mm -hmm. like I can't say how much it has helped and formulated me and maybe probably a better person I think so definitely some kind of talking therapy I've been having therapy since I uh on and off not not consistently but probably for the last 12 years and I don't think I could ever not have a therapist that knows me that I've been in a space with that I can pick up with when I need to so I had a really interesting therapy last year called EMDR um is that the um blinking where you tap yeah so you there's a there's a there's a sound and you tap yourself uh, and it's all based around repetitive eye movement so you close your eyes and you bring up a a historic perhaps traumatic painful memory and you go back to the memory and your therapist helps you to um it's used a lot for people who are like maybe have been in like really horrendous car accidents and things like that because the amygdala can't stop ringing i'm getting quite technical now so i'll shut up but um in terms of anxiety inducing things emdr can help you to be less anxious definitely changed my life um and my I haven't seen my therapist for a year and I got back in touch with her a couple of weeks ago and said I think I need to step back into this space there's some stuff happening for me personally and I think I need and she was like and and it's really important that I have somebody who I can check back mm-hmm. in with and pick up pick up stuff with it's not just about um just finding a therapist for me it's about having somebody that I you know can go to if I need to so yeah just knowing that they're at the other end of an email or a phone call and that an appointment will not be far away I um I agree with you and actually I had the holistic psychologist on the podcast recently and I read her book how to do the work and I think for all of those people who think that needing therapy means that there's something that you're not doing properly or see it as a sign of weakness it's a really good book to read because actually what you realize is we build our own essentially Instagram filters and, and it's to protect us. So we have all so of these good. patterns that are of behavior that actually might be binding us. They might have served us when we were younger or when we were in different yeah. situations, but as we evolve and grow, they actually hold one back. And this book basically just gives you a few little key tools to help you see the patterns. And then obviously it's yeah. like, you can go and see a therapist or you can read this yeah. further reading it. I think it's a brilliant book. Yeah, it's really interesting. That that whole thing about Instagram filters is really interesting. I think, yeah, I don't, I, it, you know, we it's co- it's coping survival, it's coping mechanisms, isn't isn't it? And I have I have picked up along the way some really really difficult, weird, not helpful coping mechanisms that I have needed to tear down and not uh, not use or not go to. And I, I think we don't ever stop going to them. I, you know, there's there's times in my life where, I, where I've gone, God, I'm doing that again. And I thought I've managed and dealt with that. But I think it's just about saying that 
that specific moment was probably really stressful, Ruth. And so you reverted back to your yeah. old ways of managing and coping. Um, but yeah, I would honestly urge, like one of the things I love about the States is how open they are about this stuff. You come in for drinks and I can't see my therapist and everybody just goes, all oh, right, okay. Yeah. You know, there's none of this, like, I can't, I've got to think of an excuse because heaven forbid somebody should think I'm talking about my issues. And, you know, we sort of follow it up with, I've started therapy, I'm okay, I'm okay. Like, just a couple of things in my life. It's like, dude, it's fine. It's okay not to be okay. If you're not okay and you're unravelling and you're finding this really tough, dude, like, you, it's fine. You can just say, I needed some therapy. No probs, no probs. You know, I found myself being really uncompassionate recently and I, it really, it took me by surprise because essentially mm. I have a lot of friends who are in the position where they employ people and mm. I've been hearing from a few of them how people of a certain age were calling in, like literally on the morning saying I'm going to need to take a personal day or a mental health day. And there's me, thing. and I remember saying to a couple of them, my goodness, wow, God, is it? And actually thinking quite poorly of the people calling in, mm. saying that, because I thought, God, I, I definitely went through really difficult times when I was in work, and I just I didn't ever think that was an option. I never had that luxury. Yeah. I just got on with it. Yeah. And then I was talking to this amazing psychologist called Dr. Ramani, and she said, but that's a good thing, because mm. think about all the things that you've pent up, all the stuff that you've swallowed down, Maybe if you'd taken a few personal days back in the day, I mean, I, I thought the jeopardy there was that I would lose my job or mm. that I would be treated differently in my job before yeah. doing it. But actually, there's me. I realised and I had to check myself. And now I actually think it's a really good thing the younger generation are doing that, even though they are getting called snowflakes. <laughs> and like, But I also think there's a big hustle generation with that generation, isn't it? And I think it's a really interesting mix of some people. I think... You know, the generation above us are very like, well, you just get on with it. Like there's we're like in this weird middle, like, oh, they're they're saying it's okay to feel like this, but they're saying it's not. God, my parents are saying, Well, we felt like that and we just got on with it. And they're saying, Well, I feel like this and I need to stop. But I also think what's coming up un underneath that, I've got a couple of friends who are much younger than me who this hustle culture of like, you don't want to be lazy, you're always pushing for the next thing, you always want the next success, you've, you've got so much to offer the world, that if you dare stop and slow down, you're not going to give the world what they deserve, you absolutely can't stop. I've got a really good friend who we had a really interesting conversation just a few weeks ago, actually, where he was saying, this hustle culture is really getting to me, because I am not able to stop or rest or and I think, um, it's balance, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That is the thing. My dad always says life is balance. Everything. Too much of anything is really bad for you. If we get too uh, down the route of I'm never going to stop, it will lead to burnout. If we get too down the route of all I'm going to do is stop, it will lead to economies and the world grinding to a halt. So we've got to somehow try and bring these two things together. And I think that is back to knowing yourself finding solitude having your people around you getting some therapy like that's the only way that we really get to know the inner workings of ourself mm -hmm. and so it's it's that evolving and growing and and i you know constantly ask yourself what do i need what do i need from this situation what do i need from my job what do i need from my partner what do i need from my friends what do i need from my downtime what do i need from my like having that what do i need 
I think is such an important question to continue to ask ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And also I sometimes shout at myself, Ryan Gosling style, like, what do you want? If I've got one of those days where I'm feeling, you know, in the notebook when he's like, what do you want? What do you want? I'll do that to myself sometimes. My neighbours must think I'm mental. But I I do because sometimes I'm just sort of not doing anything. And I'm like, what do you want? Because there is something, just figure it out and like move forward. Yeah can be quite harsh on myself sometimes in the privacy of my own sounds home. like it does sound like it oh, do you know what i think that is a really interesting point though one of my therapies like the therapy i had last year like parenting ourselves nurturing ourselves like treat people with kindness is such a great ha- hashtag but actually what about treating ourselves with kindness like talking to ourselves the way that we would to a friend if we mm-hmm. if we're going through something difficult i'd never say to a mate oh god stop crying pull yourself together this is ridiculous now like what are you still slumped in bed for crying about this thing that's the way we talk to ourselves an awful lot and i think i think this notion of being kind to ourselves, parenting ourselves is such an interesting topic. How do we continue to nurture? Little Ruth hasn't gone anywhere. Five-year-old Ruth hasn't gone anywhere. She's still in there. She still needs nurture. She still needs parenting. I still need to speak kindly to myself. And I think we are so hard on ourselves often internally. And we'd never dream of saying it out loud to somebody else if they no. brought us their their issues or what they're struggling with we'd never dream of being that hard with them yet we so naturally do it in our own head it's it's awful really oh yeah that is another that is a whole other podcast let's do that one because that's really interesting um but we are hurtling towards the fifth and final (laughs) it's really simple it's laughter and you have a great laugh (laughs) it's a joy like I suppose it would be laughter teamed with the podcast I do with my sister because that is such a space where, like, the joy, the joy I get from laughing with people, like, just that's that silly, like, you know, when you can't stop laughing and you then start trying to have a conversation and you're still laughing about the thing that you were laughing about. Like, just that euphoric, heady space of, like, God, I feel so happy in this moment. There's And I... We have been really raised, as I've got a brother and a sister, and all three of us have been raised to, you know, look for the joy and the colour in the world. Not in a, like, you know, toxic positivity, mm. you know, everything happens for a reason way, but in, a, like, a deep, there's joy to be found if you look for it sort of way. And I'm so grateful for that mantra because laughter is the best medicine for me sometimes if i phone Ange, my sister and i'm like i'm having a bit of a shit day she'll obviously listen she'll empathize and then before i know it we're just cracking up about something and i'm like oh god actually today's been all right so my probably the reason it's at the end is because it's for the one for me that is most prevalent like i feel the best when i am just cracking up i think the bonding as well that the attachment that happens when you laugh with people and you find people that have got the same humor as you God, I just love it so much. It makes me feel the best about myself. I 100% agree. There's something really, really vulnerable about laughing as well, about something, because you're showing so much about yourself and you're showing yeah. what you find funny. Yeah. And I think there's something like, um, you know, when you find somebody who really makes you laugh and you all, like, I love making people laugh. It's probably the thing that massages my ego the <laughs> me most. Too. If, I think, if I think something's funny, I'll say it. Like, if I think it's going to get a laugh, I'll share the story, I'll say yeah. the funny thing because there's something in me that I'm like, God, I've made you laugh. That makes me feel good. But when somebody makes me laugh, really properly belly laugh, like crack up, I feel so connected to them. Mm. I feel so, like, deeply, like, yeah, it feels like such a special space that 
I just I just know that I could never cope now without without real true laughter. And and then it's that you know in those relationships that you have it's those it's those jokes that then become do you re- you know me and my sister have got so many oh god do you remember and then we just start cracking up about it all over again it is absolutely my favourite thing to do over and above anything else is to laugh with people I love it totally one of my friends Terry he is the worst but he's the fun one of the funniest people I've ever Please. met in my time like Please. even just talking about him. And like, even like we, around the time of the Meghan Prince Harry sit down with Oprah, we were talking about something on text that was so superficial and silly. And he just wrote back, (laughs) if this doesn't work out, I'm going to do a two hour sit down with Oprah. And then (laughs) (laughs) he just has this ability to take these things and make them ridiculous. And he makes me howl with laughter yeah I love that are those people in your life that do that god it is so special it's the thing that makes me feel the best about myself laughing at with myself laughing with other people laughing you know poking fun at myself not in a horrible like unkind way but just knowing when I'm being a bit of a dick and owning it and going oh yeah, yeah. that's quite funny because I was a bit stupid in that moment like all of those different layers of laughter that for me is like the most the most feel good thing for me is is laughing. Like I'm, I'm just remembering now when I wrote knew I love Nick Chapman of she's Pixie Woo. She's like I'm sure yeah. you know who she is. Yeah. We went to a Charlotte Tilbury launch and we sat together at the back like naughty schoolgirls and um, there was this under eye corrector and it was really bright red. So I thought it was like that old um, like old Hollywood makeup technique which was put red lipstick oh, under yes. your eyes to get rid of under eye yeah. So I'm at this launch and I've got and I've patted in. <laughs> bright red stuff under my eyes and it was for it's for a really dark skin tone and I picked up the wrong one and she was oh, crying no. and I'm trying to get rid of it at a, at a Charlotte Tilbury launch that's being filmed I've got oh, half a red face God. <laughs> that is and I knew I loved her because the way that she was laughing she was like trying to help me yeah. get it off equally she was just crying it was it's still when that I think about so it so funny that yeah mixture, that is of laughing and crying and hating ones yeah and just the silliness isn't it like there's something so childlike in letting yourself be that silly and free and like oh god I know I look stupid I've got red under my eyes but actually the feeling of feeling so silly is like it's such a childlike way isn't it and you when you watch kids really laughing and laughing at really silly things and cracking themselves up because you know somebody's talked about poo or whatever it is (laughs) like there's such a silliness and I think that that is one of the things I love the most that like childlike freeing nothing really matters other than this moment it doesn't matter what I'm gonna have to challenge tomorrow it doesn't matter what happened yesterday it doesn't matter if in two hours I feel really sad about something right now in this moment I feel free and silly and it's funny and this just for me, it's like it is euphoric, really. I lo- I just love it. I love laughing with people, especially people I love and deeply care about. It's something that is so lovely. I think so lovely, and it's one of those things as well that sends a chemical reaction throughout the entire body. Yeah. So if you are laughing, your body will turn off its stress responses because it's like yeah, it's amazing, we don't it? need to be here. We can go yeah. on a coffee break. So if ever I'm, and I remember reading Amy Poehler's autobiography, and she talks about the sketch from Saturday Night Live, Debbie Downer, 
where they go oh, to yes. Disney World. Yeah. She said that could cure depression, which is obviously, but honestly, if ever I'm feeling grumpy, mm. I watch that and it makes me cry with laughter. Yeah, Rachel Dretch is so hilarious. Isn't it? So good. So good. And yeah. my body feels completely different seven minutes later. Yeah. I'm like, I don't feel stressed in the same way as I did no. before. Yeah. Haven't they? So that's been, my five. And they are brilliant. They are fantastic. Nice. I knew they would be. And I also said when we spoke, you'll definitely be doing a full show because we've got so much that we can discuss about all sorts oh, of things. Oh, I'd love to. I would absolutely love to. I'd be well up for it whenever whenever you'd love to have me. Would you do me a kindness and would you tell the listeners where they can find you and about your fabulous podcast? Yeah. So me and my sister started a podcast in lockdown. It's called Finding the Funny. Um, it's very silly. It's all those <laughs> things we've just talked about. It's uh, There's nothing highbrow about it. It's It's really <laughs> stupid. We just look for the funny observations in life that make us laugh um and you can find us on all of the platforms we it's it's roughly between 30 and 45 minutes every week it goes out on a wednesday um we're so excited about what's to come next we're um yeah we're we're just sort of taking it all in we started with no mics no (laughs) editing software we recorded it on zoom i taught myself how to edit it and then weirdly we got picked up by by warner brothers and they now produce and edit us and like it's just been a real roller coaster of like uh so much stuff that's happened but it is the most one of the most life-giving joy-filled things in my life at the moment and yeah she's great and we just we take the piss out of each other a lot we swear quite a lot it's just stupid and we do finish every episode with a more serious topic so we've tackled loads of different things um but on the whole most of it is just silly laughing really and that's but you had caroline on the show didn't you we did she's our best she's our best listen yet you know she's she absolutely brought a whole new audience to finding the funny we're forever indebted and grateful to her and i've loved caroline like i was there when her blog started when she started youtube i have loved her from afar forever <laughs> and the fact that i can sort of now call her a mate yeah. is like we're really weird and she sent me a book recently and i was like god i can't believe caroline sends me stuff like this very odd but yeah she was we've had Ramesh rang and Ethan on we had ruth jones on fern cotton's been on uh caroline's been on we, we've been really fortunate with the guests that we've had and there's more exciting guests to come so yeah well imagine my face and listeners i told ruth this when ruth this when i met her in person i was like imagine this caroline sends me a text with a link to your podcast saying em's not gonna lie this is the best fun i've had on the podcast <laughs> i'm like <laughs> you bastard <laughs> That is classic Caroline, isn't it? That is classic Caroline. I will be listening to these ladies then and I will be making my own conclusions. Amazing. And now look, you're on this show. Well, thank you so much for sharing your habits. They've been a dream. Um, Thanks for having me. Uh, listeners, the links to Finding the Funny, Ruth and everything will be in the show notes. But thank you so much for coming on the show and joining and sharing your habits. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I do hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate your time hugely. If you did enjoy it and you never want to miss an episode, then please do hit the subscribe button wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. It's also where you get the opportunity to leave a five-star review and a rating for how you feel about the show. And I'd be so grateful if you wouldn't mind leaving one. 
If you want to get in touch with me, email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Or you can DM me on Instagram and Twitter where I am at Emma Guns. If you fancy chatting to me and thousands of other fellow listeners of the podcast, then click the link to join the Facebook forum. The link to join is in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. You have to answer a couple of questions, but we cannot wait to see you there. Come over and join the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you on the next one. Bye.